0: 一年以来て私の命令をお待てください sunny beaches of South Florida. Hello there. Welcome to the internationally loved true storytelling podcast Family History Drama. Did you know that true stories well told can inspire, caution, entertain, and even instruct? If you can make history personal, you can make it actionable. Sit back and enjoy another family history story that is Almost too true to be believed, on the Family History Drama Podcast. Did you know that 1918 started on a Tuesday? Also, on February 14th of that year, Russia switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar which wouldn't be such a big deal, except for the date skipped from January 31st to February 14th. Lost an entire two weeks they did. On March 19th of that year, the United States Congress established time zones and approved uh, daylight savings time. On May 2nd, General Motors acquired the Chevrolet Motor Company of Delaware. On the 20th of May, the small town of Codell, Kansas, is hit for the third year in a row on the same date by a tornado. The year of 1918 is also noted for the end of the First World War, on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, as well as for the Spanish flu pandemic. And Woodrow Wilson is the President of the United States. Well, as far as famous birthdays in 1918 go, hmm, let's see if you recognize any of these folks. Nelson Mandela, Billy Graham, Sam Walton, Rita Hayworth, Mary Kay Ash, Howard Cosell, Elizabeth Ann Bloomer, a.k.a. Betty Ford, Mike Wallace, Pearl Bailey, Leonard Bernstein, Robert Wadlow, who just happens to be the tallest person in recorded history at 8 foot 11.1 inches tall. And finally, in stark contrast physically, was the birth of Howard Leon Wetton. You might be saying to yourself, well, I recognize a few of them other names, but who in the Sam Hill is Howard Wetton? Wh- Whet- uh, that's Howard Leon Wetton. W H E T T E N. The surname Wetton is a variant of Whitten, W H I T T O N, found mostly in English, Scottish, or Northern Irish. Now, as far as Howard, His siblings called him Howard. Later in life, he was known as Leon. Either way, he was pretty unassuming. In stature as well as in personality. Probably got both them from his father, Warren. Uh, Howard was not listed in any movie credits during his life. He had no number one albums. He was never on network television. He didn't even start a famous chain of retail stores. Nope, none of them. Rather, Howard was a son, a husband, father, Rancher, farmer, logger, teacher, scoutmaster, forest ranger, and soldier. This is part of his story. In 1918, Warren Ernest Wetton and his wife Adelaide Martineau got a job working on a dairy farm near Tucson, Arizona for Uncle Roan Stocks. He furnished them all the milk they could use and a place to live. It was steady and fairly good pay. It was here on July 3rd of 1918 that their first son, Howard Leon Whetten, was born. His father, Warren, loved playing piano and sang with a beautiful tenor voice. He worked on road construction and Adelaide cooked for the road gang. In 1920, the family decided to move back to Old Mexico. Howard's parents had been born there, but had been forced to leave in 1912 because of the Mexican Revolution. Many of the families that had been driven out were now returning to begin again. Howard's family settled in Colonia Chuichupa, where Howard spent many happy years swimming in the old swimming hole in the creek hunting coons with Old Bacon, the hound dog, oh. fishing in Black Canyon, and hiking through the maze of canyons and mesas south of town. Howard hunted wild deer and turkey. He rescued and raised wolf pups and fished to his heart's content. Enjoying adventures with many of his cousins, he did. It was a wonderful place for a boy to grow up. <laughs> but it was also a lot of work to be done. Howard and his brother Melvin farmed 20 acres of corn. Melvin rode the workmare old fan up and down the rows while Howard steered the eight shoveled walking cultivator. It was hard work chopping all the weeds out of the corn. Howard often helped his dad on the freight wagon hauling lumber to Chico 16 miles through the mountains. Sometimes they'd bring back a load of goods for the town store. On one of those trips, Howard almost froze to death when they got caught in a cold blizzard. Howard learned to ride horses almost as soon as he learned to walk. He spent many happy hours punching cows at Mr. Webb's ranch. Often camping out under the stars for weeks at a time. Life was rough for a family of nine, and they often had only cornbread and beans to eat. Howard and his sister Lucille milked the cow together. Leon sat on one side and Lucille on the other. Uh, The milk was fed to the younger children, and it seemed that there was never quite enough to go around. Howard was 18 years old when his Papa Warren and packed up the family and they once again left Old Mexico. The family packed what they could and went by team and wagon. They stayed along the way with Addie's brother Charlie and family until train tickets could be bought. Other necessary arrangements were made for the trip to El Paso. The train ride was quite tiring. There was little space for the children to exercise and the water was hot and tasted very bad. The smoke from the wood-burning engine came into the cars and it seemed at times they would smother from the heat. When they arrived in Cuidad Juarez, uh, Mexico, they were met by Clarence and Babe Williams and taken across the bridge into the United States. They stayed several days with them until Maynard Hassel, from Bluewater, came to get them in his large flatbed truck to take them the rest of the way. The Wetton family arrived on 21st of September, 1934, at the only housing they could find, which was located on a farm seven long miles out of blue water. Uh, Here, the family spent a very miserable cold winter. A A windmill was the only source of water, and sometimes the pipe froze. Well, so the windmill had to be shut off until a large fire could be built around the pipe to thaw it out. This would take nearly half a day, and so water had to be hauled from another farm about a mile away by team and wagon. Everyone was glad when spring finally arrived and the plowing and planting would begin. Warren and his family did the work on the farm. Here, Howard learned to use modern farm machinery to irrigate, harvest the crops, and to drive a car. The yield was good that season and things looked as if they might be fairing up for the warren Wetton family, but it was not to be. When the owner reneged on the lease, Warren, who had taken his pay in produce from the farm, was unable to move his share and lost it all. So in the dead of winter on the 1st of January, 1936, the family hastily packed up and moved into Bluewater. The house they moved into was a small two-roomed house owned by Cal Hakes. In fact, it was so small that the boys had to sleep outside in the cellar. They often had to shovel the snow away from the door before they could go to bed. Leon Huetton, went to high school in Grants, New Mexico, but was not able to start until all the crops were harvested each year. Then again, he had to quit as soon as work was available in the spring. Digging mud out of them frozen ditches with a shovel wasn't for the faint of heart or the weak of spine or body. Howard was paid 25 cents an hour. Two dollars a day looked mighty big then. In 1936, bread was 11 cents a loaf, milk was 47 cents a gallon, eggs were 18 cents a dozen, applesauce, 20 cents for three cans, potatoes, 18 cents for 10 pounds, toilet paper was 9 cents for a two-roll pack, and gasoline was 19 cents a gallon. The summer of 1936 and 37 were spent on the Zuni Mountains, or on Mount Taylor, working on the sawmill for Maynard Hassel. But these work projects were usually family events, meaning that the entire family went and camped out at the job site. Warren's dad had done this with his family on railroad building projects in Old Mexico, and Warren continued the tradition whenever possible. This the family enjoyed very much. During the winters, when the snows were too deep for the mill to operate in the mountains, he helped some of the ranchers care for and feed their cattle. One of the ranchers he worked for was Claire Hassel. If you're wondering, yes, him and Maynard Hassel, who owns a sawmill, are brothers from another mother. It was an especially cold day during that winter of 1937 as Howard's father Warren was managing the cattle in the fields of Toltec. Well, we don't know exactly what happened. You see, he was found sitting on the back porch of one of them farms there. His head was all bloody and he was nearly frozen. Well, because of the nature of the injury, Warren doesn't remember anything about what happened or where it happened. In fact, he could never recall being in the fields that day. They brought him home, and it was several days before he could remember who he was or where he was. He kept asking his son Howard, where's Mammy? It was several days before he regained his understanding well enough to remember where his wife was and why she was there. It was about six months after Warren was hurt before he could do any work. He finally got his old job back working for Maynard Hassel in the logwoods on Mount Tater. Although he suffered a lot with headaches and with his back, he never missed a day's work. In 1938, they were able to purchase a house from William Child. But the house was A frame house with a good foundation and an asphalt shingle roof the outside had been plastered with the first coat but it was still rough and unfinished only part of the interior of the house had been finished the living room was large and spacious the floor was finished with a good hardwood material the room was heated by a large smoky fireplace which gave off very little heat and it was finally replaced by a large potbelly stove which was much better Water had to be carried from Roundy's Well about a block away. The kitchen was big, but had very few cupboards. The bedrooms were not finished and very cold in the winter. The house was situated on a large lot with plenty of space to grow a good garden, which was irrigated with the water from Blue Water Lake. There was also a corral for the cow and a small lumber shack to be used for storage and a wash house. The home was comfortable, and the family enjoyed it there. Here the children could bring their friends, and many interesting parties were held. Many Mulligan stew suppers were enjoyed. It became the gathering place for young folks of the town. It was from here that four sons and a daughter went into the services of their country. Now, Howard, watched his father's resilience and effort and persistence in work. And he finally graduated from high school in 1939 at the age of 23. September 3rd, 1939, and France has declared war on Germany following the German invasion of Poland. On the 10th of May 1940, Germany invaded France, and for the following six weeks, the German army proceeded to decimate the resolve of the French. Hitler had expected a million Germans to die in conquering France. Instead, His goal was accomplished in just six weeks, with only 27,000 Germans killed, 18,400 missing and 111,000 wounded. The unexpectedly swift victory resulted in a wave of euphoria among the German population and a strong upsurge in war fever. Hitler's popularity reached its peak with the celebration of the French Capitulation on the 6th of July, 1940. If an increase in feeling for Adolf Hitler was still possible, it has become reality with the day of the return to Berlin. In the face of such greatness, all pettiness and grumbling are silenced. Even opponents to the regime found it hard to resist the victory mood. Workers in the armaments factories pressed to be allowed to join the army. People thought the final victory was around the corner. Only Britain stood in the way, for perhaps the only time during their Third Reich there was genuine war fever among the population. In that same summer of 1940, Warren and his boys Melvin and Howard helped Maynor Hassel move his sawmill down to Jewett Gap near Quemado, New Mexico. It was pert near 120 miles southwest each way to get all the equipment moved. When the mill was finished, he started skidding and loading the logs on for the big trucks for the mill. They lived in a small tent with boarded sides and a wooden floor. When the weather turned cold, Melvin returned to blue water, but Howard stayed to work on the mill. Being up over 8,000 feet in elevation, the weather was expectedly very cold. And the ground was covered with snow most of the time, and that's where the ponderosa pines like to grow. With all the cold and snow, it was extremely difficult to skid and load the logs. It was here in December of 1940, while working in the woods, that Warren was hurt again. The mill needed logs, so Warren took his team out and started loading the truck. One of the logs didn't fit into place like he wanted it to, so he got up on the truck to adjust it. The logs were frozen and very slick, and the canton hook slipped. Warren lost his footing on the slippery logs, and he fell off the truck backward onto the frozen ground. The driver loaded him into the truck and brought him back to camp as soon as he could he was unconscious and was bleeding from a wound in his head it was several hours before he regained consciousness when Howard saw him he realized he would need medical attention as soon as possible it was late in the afternoon before Warren could be moved they loaded him in an old Buick with wooden spoke wheels that belonged to one of the workers there and with three other mill hands to help push the car out of the mud they started for Grant's New Mexico about 120 miles away Warren could do very little work after he was hurt the second time. He he tried working in trading posts and stores, but the strain was too much for him. The responsibility of providing for the family now fell squarely on the shoulders of Howard. Sunday morning, December 7th, 1941. At 7.25 a.m., the sun has been up for an hour already. It's 73 degrees. The skies above Waimomi are partly cloudy with good visibility. Church services start early and many military personnel are attending off-base worship services. Leaving the ships in the harbor momentarily understaffed. It's neck deep into the Christmas season and it's a beautiful day at a place known locally as the Waters of Pearl, a place of refuge from the stormy seas that will forever be known as Pearl Harbor. ゲット WS の前。At 7.48 a.m., the Japanese Imperial Navy attacked Pearl Harbor, killing 2,403 Americans and wounding 1,178 others. The attack sank or damaged three cruisers, three destroyers, an anti-aircraft training ship, and one mine layer. More than 180 U.S. aircraft were destroyed, including the only B-24 bomber assigned to the base. Japan attacked Pearl Harbor because it wanted to expand its empire in Asia and the Pacific and saw the United States as a major obstacle to achieving that goal. The Japanese military believed that by destroying the U.S. Pacific Fleet at Pearl Harbor, it could neutralize the threat from the U.S. and buy time to conquer the resources it needed in Southeast Asia. The United States had been assisting its allies for a few years but had itself resisted entry into the war. According to the Region Beta Paradox theory, sometimes worse situations can be better than better situations. As far as galvanizing you into action, for example, if you have to go a mile or less, you might walk it. If you have to go two miles or more, you will drive it. Paradoxically, you would go two miles quicker and you would go one mile. Being forced into the fight was certainly the quickest way to end the battle. The attack led to the immediate entry of the United States into World War II. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941 a date which will live in infamy the united states of america was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the empire of japan no matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion the american people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory BBC home and forces program before America entered the war I knew we could not win it but after she entered I knew we could not lose and in the moments and days after the attack Admiral Yamamoto of the Japanese Imperial Navy knew that he had awakened a sleeping bear When Uncle Sam called on Howard Leon Whetton to help win World War II in July of 1942, he did not have to go to war, he chose to. Howard was the eldest son of a disabled father and a busy mother and the eldest able provider in the home. He worked on a farm before his service and his boss practically insisted that he stay on the farm. In fact, he secured a work deferment for him, pleading with him not to leave his farm work because growing food was also serving. But Leon talked with his folks about it, and even though he was providing most of the support of the family of eight, his father said, No, son. I want you to go. I want you to help take care of this great United States that we live in. To me, that's more important. Leon and his mother also agreed that that was what he should do before he left he received a blessing from his father in which he was promised that if he would value his christian faith be faithful to his covenants to god that no hostile bullet could harm him throughout his service to his country this promise was fulfilled numerous times his father also gave him other excellent advice which he never forgot he said don't hate your enemies Howard, remember God is at the helm. Howard went to gunnery school in Las Vegas, Nevada, radio school in Salt Lake City, Utah, and was finally sent to Tucson, Arizona where he became an assistant radio operator. It's not often that I get to share stories of individuals that I personally knew. As a young boy, I got to know Howard Leon Wetton and hear snippets of his story from his own lips. I attended his funeral. I loved his example, and I appreciated his influence on my young life. This story is nearly unbelievable. In fact, it's so miraculous, it has to be true. Nothing else would make sense. You don't want to miss the rest of this amazing moment in history. Please join me in the next episode for part two of this story as Howard becomes Leon and the farm boy becomes a soldier in World War II. Are you still there? Remember to download the Family Tree app and see how you are related to the people from today's episode. All those links will be included in the show notes. Sometimes it's important to look a gift horse in the mouth. Your gift is your ancestry. Your superpower is their family history stories that make you. Not a one of us crawled out from under a rock, regardless of what you've been told, You have 4,094 grandparents, over 12 generations, with thousands of love stories, battles, difficulties, sadness, happiness, and expressions of hope for the future that allows you to be here today. We are the culmination of so many things we did not choose. It was designed that way. So be gentle with yourself and others. Take the time to learn yourself through your family history stories. There are innumerable tributaries flowing into the life experience that deceptively seems to be your own, but it's not. So think about that as you row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Russell M. Nelson stated, When our hearts turn to our ancestors, something changes inside us. We feel part of something greater than ourselves. (laughs) I concur. Thank you for joining me on another unbelievably true adventure. Find your family history superpower and activate it. Until next time, bye.